All right, Sam, am I up? Am I on? Got me? Thumbs up. All right. So good morning. As Al said, you get me this morning. So I've entitled my message, Be a Whosoever. This part one. A whosoever. Whosoever. That's one word. I made that up. <laughs> so what is the first thing that comes to mind when I say be a whosoever? This dropped into my spirit a while ago, quite some time ago, actually. And I just heard the Spirit of the Lord saying, be a whosoever. And I says, hmm, what exactly is that? Well, wasn't it dawned on me? John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. That is probably one of the first Bible verses we ever learn as a kid. I believe it was the one I did anyways. So what happens when you put together whosoever and believes? So let's start with whosoever. The whosoever has a job. Do you know what that job is? The job of a whosoever is to believe. To believe is to accept something as true, to feel sure of the truth, to hold something as an opinion, to think or to suppose. The synonyms are suppose, trust, to have no doubt, have faith, and place confidence in. The opposite or the antonyms would be, now listen carefully to these, deny, discard, dismiss, disregard, ignore, and reject. So I'm going to add faith in here just so you can separate it from believe a bit. So the Nelson's Bible Dictionary defines faith as a belief in or confident attitude towards God involving commitment to his will for one's life. He also says belief is to place one trust, one's trust in God's truth. A person who believes is one who takes God at his word and trusts in him for salvation. In other words, faith is believing that God will do exactly what he said he will do. So look at faith and belief as a train on a track. There are two sides to the track, and they are both needed for the train to safely go get to its destination. The number one re reason for any train to derail is a compromised track. A hairline in the, in, the, in the track will go unnoticed for a bit, and the train will go all merrily along. But left unrepaired, it won't take long, and that train will, be, will derail. Uh, the crack will weaken with every roll of the train, and before you know it, it breaks, breaks completely, and there goes the train. Sometimes we may get a hairline crack in our belief system, and if left unrepaired, it will erode more and more, and, until, and we'll just derail. We'll be out in the ditch somewhere. We're off the tracks. So let's talk about what we, what we believe. So some people believe Elvis is alive. Some people believe Diana is, Princess Diana is alive. Some believe the Earth is round, and others believe the Earth is flat. Some people believe in evolution, and some in, cre in creation. Some people believe in Sasquatch. If you haven't heard of him, he's a cool dude. And some people believe he's one of our forefathers. Some people actually believe the Toronto Maple Leafs will someday win the Stanley Cup. <laughs> People believe all kinds of things. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, 
<laughs> Sometimes we get into this mindset and we refuse to believe anything else. We refuse to change our minds regardless of the truth. I'm a, I'm a Maple Leaf fan. Honestly, I wish one day they would win that cup. <laughs> so some of the stories in the Bible are pretty hard to believe too. Uh, they seem way out there, especially some of those miracles. Like they seem, a pretty, they seem pretty much off the track. So the word believe is mentioned 143 times in the Bible. 19 times in the Old Testament, 124 times in the New Testament, and 94 of those are in the book of John. And I will not read them all. So, do you know, we can actually hinder ourselves from receiving our blessings from God and our miracles when we say things like, I can't believe that, or I don't believe that. It's not that we can't believe it, it's that we won't believe it. Often pastor will have a word and we just shrug it off because we think, oh, that's not for me, that's the next guy, you know, that's for you. Or Holy Spirit will reveal something to us and we simply brush it aside because of our unbelief and we miss it. So what about unbelief? Unbelief, according to the King James Dictionary, is infidelity. And that means unfaithfulness. It's disbelief of divine revelation. Unbelief is an unwillingness to trust God. Unbelief is not weakness in faith. There is no such thing as just being weak in faith. My faith is so weak. That's bull. There is no such thing. And either you have it or you don't. Unbelief actually puts itself in opposition to faith. The Israelites are a perfect example of this. When the Israelites are standing at the border of their promised land, Moses says, you have now reached the land the Lord our God is giving us. Look, he has placed you in front of it. Go and occupy it as the Lord, our God, God of our ancestors, has promised you. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. All the Israelites had to do to enter their promised land was believe that what God had said was true. Whosoever believes. The Israelites had already witnessed the seven plagues of Egypt, the parting of the Red Sea, the swallowing up of, of the Egyptian army where the Red Sea swallows them up. God had kept them fed. He kept them watered. He led them by a pillar of fire by night, a pillar of cloud by day. No reason not to believe, right? Miracle after miracle. To make a long story short, because we've all heard this, the 12 spies go in, 10 come back with a negative report, two come up back with a positive report. This is all in Numbers and Deuteronomy, in case you're wondering. Joshua and Caleb were the two whosoevers. The land was exactly like God said it would be. I mean, goodness, it took two, two guys to carry a, a whole cluster of grapes. I mean, I would like to see that. <laughs> the Israelites continued to cry and complain that God was trying to kill them. Imagine accusing God of murder. And the glory of the Lord appears. When the glory of the Lord appears, that should be a beautiful thing. But their actions and their feelings were not consistent with the glory of the Lord. They had just accused God of evil intent when all God wanted to do was bless them. Is it consistent with the glory of the Lord to be unbelieving? Are our thoughts and our actions consistent with the glory of the Lord? Here's God's response to them. He says, how long will these people reject me? Will they never believe me? 
even after all the miraculous signs I have done among them. Pastor Jerry talked about this all last week, last Sunday. To me, to me, this sounds like heartbreak, that God is truly heartbroken that they are not believing him. All God wants is for us to believe so that he can bless us. Whosoever believes. Well, there are consequences to unbelief. All um, Those 10 spies, they just dropped dead from a plague. Gone. The rest of the Israelites were given a life sentence. Church, if you do not think your unbelief does not affect your children's future, think again. Every parent that had a child over the age of 20, that child would die in that wilderness. Every child that was under the age of 20 was sentenced to 40 years of wandering in that, in that wilderness. That's tragic. That is a disadvantaged upbringing. What would have happened if the Israelites had entered their promised land when they first had the chance? They would have been truly, truly blessed. Things would have been exactly like God said it would be, and their children would not have died there. Whosoever believes. How often are we operating in rebellion and fear and unbelief and crying that we aren't hearing from God? Why on earth would we expect to hear from him if we have already rejected him? And if we have rejected him, rejected what he had to say, do you honestly think he would be open to giving us any more information or saying anything more to us? Are we simply waiting for more signs, more wonders, and more miracles before we start to believe? Whosoever believes. How do we ever expect to receive our miracles when we continue to operate in this unbelief? According to 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 13, it says the word works mightily in those that believe. How's that working for you? Whosoever believes. So, be a whosoever, part two, reaching for your miracle. So what's a miracle? According to my Bible dictionary, the literal meaning is a marvelous event or an event that causes wonder. It also means an extraordinary event inexplicable in terms of ordinary natural forces. A miracle is an event that causes the observer to postulate a human, a superhuman personal cause. It also means an event that uh, constitutes evidence or a sign of implications much wider than the event itself. Just like Pastor Jerry said last Sunday, miracles, signs, and wonders. Whosoever believes. Let's go to Luke chapter 8. And verses 40 to 56, this is a story of a miracle within a miracle. This is the story of Urias and the woman with the issue of blood. So Jesus is walking along, and Urias falls at his feet, and he begs him to heal his daughter. And Jesus is obliges, he's on his way to Urias' house, when the woman with the blood issue touches his coat, and she is instantly healed. She reached for her miracle. You might have to get down on your belly someday to reach your miracle, but reach for it. Whosoever believes. Jesus feels this power go out of him, and he demands to know who touches him. And the disciples are saying, but Jesus, there's all these people around you. Who, how should we know? They've all been touching you. Who, are you. who in particular are you looking for? And, but Jesus insists on knowing. He already knows, but he insists on knowing. Do you know that during praise and worship, when the Holy Spirit fills this place, we are in a perfect position for a miracle? This morning was perfect, the perfect time. 
if we would only reach out and believe for a, a miracle instead of casually bumping into Jesus and saying, oh, I'm sorry I bumped you. I'll stay back in my little space here. And not Right at this time is when we should be reaching for that miracle. Jesus already knew who it was, but why does he call her out? He didn't do it to embarrass her, but to bless her. He wanted her to know for sure that she was healed, that she had gotten her miracle. He did not want her to leave and start doubting if she was really healed. He wants her to know that she's healed, and he wants others to know that she is healed. He also wants her and the others to realize it was her faith that healed her, whosoever believes. Jesus also called her out to encourage others, especially Urias. Remember, Urias is the one that's begging him to come heal his daughter. And this is happening at that time. Sometimes we need to see something in order to believe something. And Jairus had just witnessed that miracle. But this poor guy, while this is happening, he must have been standing there, but Jesus, my daughter's dying. Can't, this woman, I know this woman is sick. I know she needs to be healed, but can't you deal with her later and come heal my daughter? I mean, that's the way I, sorry, I probably would have been. And then, his, of course, his worst nightmare comes true, and someone informs him that his daughter has died. But Jesus doesn't just turn around and go, oops, <laughs> I guess it's too late. I missed that one. No, he tells Arius not to be afraid. Just believe and she will be healed. Notice that he does not say believe that she will be healed. He says believe and she will be healed. In other words, don't be afraid and don't try to figure it out all at the same time. Only believe. Sounds like a lot what Moses told the Israelites at the border of their promised land. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Urias had to believe Jesus at his word. He had to be a whosoever. When they finally arrive at Urias' house, there's a crowd there and they're wailing and mourning and crying. And Jesus tells them to stop it because the girl is only asleep. <laughs> really? <laughs> if my daughter had died and you came to tell me she's only asleep, I would think you're, you're off the tracks. But he throws everyone out, except Peter, James, John, and the girl's parents. Why? Well, he, did, he didn't want anything to do with the ones that didn't believe his promises. And he definitely didn't want them to discourage the faith of Urias. Remove yourselves from those naysayers. Jesus used a miracle to strengthen the faith of Urias so that Urias could also receive a miracle. What do you think would have happened if Urias, if he had just become jealous or offended or bitter because his daughter died while the woman was being healed? Urias's faith was imperative at this time. Do not be afraid, only believe, be a whosoever. Also, he kept Peter, James, and John in there. They witnessed, it, witnessed these two miracles as well. This happened like one, one after another. And right after they witnessed these two miracles, if you go into chapter 9, Jesus sends out the 12 and gave them the power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases, to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick, just like Jesus did. They now had something to feed off, something fresh to feed off of. They had this encouragement. They had to be whosoever's. So Jesus can still healed from heaven, right? I hope so. Why does that seem so strange to us sometimes? In Acts chapter 3, we have the story of the lame, lame beggar 
and day after day he is carried off into the temple gate to begging, beg for alms. When Peter and John come by, he puts out his hand expecting something. He's expecting money. He was expecting something small, but God wanted to give him something much greater. He wanted to give him health. He wanted to give him healing. He wanted to give him salvation. God wanted to make him whole. And sometimes we, we expect too little when God wants to give us so much more. So in Acts 3, verses 6 to 8, Peter says, I do not have silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, walk. And grasping him by the right hand, he raised him up, and immediately his feet and his ankles were strengthened. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk, and he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God, whosoever believes. Imagine having someone lay hands on you because you had, I don't know, fill in the blank. And shortly after you said amen, you started doubting. Be not afraid, only believe. Doubters shouldn't expect anything. We need to start expecting our miracles. We need to start reaching for them. Ponder this for a moment. How is it we can be a whosoever when it comes to believing that God created the heavens and the earth and he, that he calls out the stars by name? He calls the, out the sun in the morning and the moon at night. But we have a hard time believing he is able to help us with our finances, our depression, our sicknesses, diseases. This, it took faith for this man to get up. It took faith for him to take that first step. And it took faith for him to start leaping. And he did it, praising God. Do we believe that God still has infinite power? And if we did, shouldn't we believe that he would meet all of our needs? Is he someone who can do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine? That works according to the power in us, by the way. Is he still the God of miracles? Is he the same today as he was back in the Bible days? Is he still the great I am, or is he the great I was? Can we believe that God can move in unimaginable ways? This takes faith. You have to believe. Today is Palm Sunday and the beginning of the greatest miracle ever. Not only did Jesus die on the cross, he died on the cross for my sins. He died on the cross for your sins. That's a miracle. But you have to believe it. Whosoever believes. Jesus died on the cross for our sins and he was resurrected. Hallelujah. That's a great miracle. Do you realize that no one actually witnessed the resurrection? They didn't witness the resurrection itself. But there were approximately 500 people who witnessed the resurrected Jesus who much to their surprise had just conquered death. And that same spirit which raised Christ from the death, from death, lives in us. That's another miracle. That's power. That's power in us. We should never have a power shortage if we believe. There's no power shortage in us. Whosoever believes. We also know the angels rolled away the stone from the tomb. They didn't roll the stone away to let Jesus out. They, they, they rolled away the stone to let the women in and the disciples in. They needed to see that miracle that Jesus was no longer in there. Miracles can only be seen through the eyes of faith. Whosoever believes. And Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. 
Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. Whosoever believes. So let's be a whosoever. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you for your goodness and for your generosity. May we, may we become people who truly believe your every word. Believe that there is nothing that you cannot do. May we, be, by faith, become whosoever's operating in your power in us. Thank you for it, Jesus, in your holy name. Amen.